feeling good? Are we ready to receive God's word? Okay, sit down. Sit down. What, what are we doing? It's the middle of February. Um, Valentine's Day is coming up. Your guys, guys, you're welcome. Just reminded you. Um, but not that that's important or anything. But uh, anyways. Oh, another, another thing, real quick, real quick. Another announcement I have. Uh, if you are uh, a junior, a senior, or a college student that's still in your teens, does that make sense? 18, 19? Um, and you want to be a, uh, a pastor one day or you want to be in ministry, um, I've got an opportunity where you could get um, a lot, you could get your classes done uh, to get your uh, credentials to be a licensed minister uh, for, at a really discounted rate. And so. If that's you, I think Ken's going to do it. Um, and so if you want to join Ken, uh, the first class is next Saturday. So you got to let me know tonight. If you want to join Ken, we'll get you signed up. It's $75 a class. And uh, it's going to be crazy. About two years' time, Ken's going to be Pastor Ken, and that's going to be crazy, okay? So I'm not ready for that. But, um, but God is because he called you to do it. So... Um, Sounds good? So if anybody else is thinking, man, I, I, I want to be in ministry, I want to be a youth pastor or worship pastor or kids pastor, whatever, and you want to go to school, uh, and oh, let me give a little reference. So this ministry school is not going to give you a bachelor's in theology. What it will do is get you enough classes that you'll get, uh, you qualify your, for your pastoral credentials, if that makes sense. But the classes would transfer into uh, like Vanguard University, where I went to college, if you wanted to get a bachelor's degree, if that makes sense. But this particular school of ministry is not to get a degree. It's just to get uh, the minimum requirement so that you can uh, become a licensed minister, uh, a, a credentialed minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, cool beans? So hit me up after if that's you. Okay, I think that's it. Uh, we are in this new series called Origins. Uh, I think I mapped it out. I think this series is going to be about uh, eight weeks. So we're going to do two four-week parts split up by small groups. And then a big invite night at the end, which we're going to do it up. We're going to do it big. And you're going to invite your friends. Uh, and it's going to be crazy. Okay. And um, But in the meantime, what we're doing, what this series called Origins is all about, is we're going through the book of Genesis. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the book of Genesis. Hopefully everybody in here has. If you haven't, that's okay. We're going to learn about it. Here's the thing. Here's my goal. We've talked a lot about a whole lot of different topics here in, uh, in our youth group. We've talked about uh, anxiety. We've talked about um, stress. We've talked about the kind of the hot topic uh, days. We've talked about identity, things like that, which are all really good things. But they're all worthless if we're not uh, biblically literate. What do I mean by that is if, if we don't know this thing and if we're just like a self-help youth group, then shut the doors, fire me, and let's move on to something else, right? Uh, I want us to know the word of God. I want us to know it well, not for the, the sake of being uh, high-nosed snobs about the Bible, but to be in love and enthralled with the words of God. Because he's good and, and, and that's how we should be, right? And so I want the Bible to be an addiction to us. 
uh, I'm going to use strong language, but I want, I want the Bible to be my binge, right? I, I, I want the Word of God to be, I, I want to catch withdrawals if I'm not in my Bible for a couple days. Like, I, I, I want to I get my fix from the Word of God. Like, I'm using a bunch of junky words, but I want it to be like that. I want it to be like, like if you've ever... Um, if, if you've ever, like, been in a, a romantic relationship, which you know me, uh, if you're in junior high and high school, ain't no, ain't no point. But uh, if you ever have been there, it, it, it feels like all you want to do is talk to that person. All, all you can ever do is think about that person, right? Or maybe you have a celebrity crush, you can't stop thinking about it. Or, or, or maybe you have a favorite show right now, and every, every waking moment you're like, I wonder what the next episode has, right? And you're just like thinking about it. You can't stop thinking about it. I want the Word of God to be like that. What can I possibly find when I open this book that I didn't find yesterday that's going to set me free today, right? I want the Bible to be like that for us. I want it to be the very air we breathe. I want it to to be the, the thing that, that pulses in our veins, right? And so uh, the only way that we do that is to study it. The only way that we do that is to read it. And it's really great. Uh, last week we talked about the creation story, and I heard some folks that were saying, like, hey, I've never heard the creation story like that. I've never, I've never had it really come alive like that. I've never seen the certain things that we were bringing out in that. And that's what I want, all right, is... Us to, to hear things maybe that we've even already heard, but it's like, wait a second. That means something different to me now. Not that it, not that it actually means something different. It's you just, your eyes opened a little wider. Okay? Sounds good? <clears throat> so, we, uh, we did creation last week, which was beautiful. Creation leads all the way, runs desperately towards rest. And then we get to live from that place of rest. Now, I want to talk about the fall of mankind, the fall of humanity. The, we, we, I say all the time, we live in a fallen world. How did that happen? And so open your Bibles to Genesis uh, 2 and 3. And I'm going to kind of like skip around chapter 2, and then we're going to read kind of the first part of chapter 3. And just like last week, there's going to be a good amount of reading, uh, but it's not going to be... Uh, Boring because the word of God isn't boring when we actually uh, pursue it in in faith. Okay, so um, so Genesis chapter two and three. Uh, if you have your phone, you can ha- look it up on there. If you want a Bible, we have Bibles for you. If you'd like to have one, um, if not, I'll just read it and you could. This could be story time with Brett. Okay, <laughs> um, but we're gonna start in verse seven uh, of chapter two, and we're gonna kind of go from there. Um, and so before this. Is when it talks about the seventh day and he blessed it and restored uh, all, the, all, all the things and, and he sanctified it, set it apart. Um, and then uh, now it kind of goes into the next part. And it says in verse 7, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And a man became a living being. Right? So this is how we were created is that the dust of the earth w- w- was picked up and breathed life into and then here we are. So the difference between me and dirt is God's breath. Thank the Lord for God's breath. Amen. That was kind of supposed to be a joke. But okay. Um, the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden and there he placed the man whom he had formed out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil 
Okay? So now the scene is set. They're in the garden. Uh, Adam's in the garden. And uh, there's two trees. There's the tree of life, and then there's the tree of knowledge and good of evil. And as the story goes along, I'm going to kind of skip across it. God tells Adam that you can't eat from the tree of knowledge and good of evil, right? It looks pretty. It looks cool. Just don't eat from it. Don't do it. Um, so at the very beginning, why does God do this? You might ask yourself, why does God even put that tree there if, if, if it would crash down all of humanity? Because God, as a loving God as a consensual loving God, wants to give us a choice. It was a simple choice. Don't eat from the tree. Um, but if God held us against our own will to be in the garden and didn't give us a choice, it's not love, it's hostage. Right? And so in order for us to, be, to not be hostages to God's love, uh, he had to give us a choice. And he, and he basically said, there's your way out, just don't take it. Don't take your way out. Seems pretty simple, right? And so it moves on, talks about all these rivers, whatever. And we're going to go down to verse 16. Uh, and it says, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of knowledge and good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. Then the Lord God said in verse 18, It is not good for a man to be alone. I'll make him a helper sustainable for him. This is a part that we don't often talk about in uh, this part of the story of Genesis chapter 2. So Jesus, uh, so God uh, says, not Jesus at this point, but God says uh, that there needs to be a helper. Anybody ever needed a helper? Raise your hand if you need somebody. You're like, I need some help. I need somebody. I need relationship. Okay, so God says there needs to be a helper. But this is a crazy thing. People then just in their mind skip to Eve. But that's not what happens here. Adam explores the possibility of any of the animals being an adequate helper, right? And so he goes through all that, and he says, I can't, I don't, I don't, there's not one. He was probably like, the chimpanzees were close, man. They were, they were trying their best. They really were. They're pretty smart, God. They're pretty cool. But it just isn't quite there. They're a little slow, right? Like, he's like, hey, if the dolphins had, had thumbs, they might be it. <laughs> but, Lord, uh, it's not really, there's not really any of them. The dogs are cute. Don't get me wrong. They're real cute. But it's not like that. This cat tried to kill me, so I don't really know what that's about. But um, just kidding. But it comes to a point where it's like those aren't good enough. And then um, and then we get to Eve. The, the, the interesting thing, though, here is I, I want to I uh, stress from this. And I got kind of silly. But the thing is that uh, real human relationships is what each and every one of us desperately need. Uh, and not relationships that are surface level. Human relationships where a soul can see a soul and a soul can hug a soul um, is what we desperately need. Uh, your, your, your dog is really cute, but they're not actually your best friend. Okay? I promise. <laughs> um, your cat is really fluffy and cuddly, I'm sure. Or it's evil. I don't know. One or the other. Um, but it's not your best friend. Um, your goldfish is not your best friend. Um, is everybody hearing what I'm saying? They're cute, and, they're, and, and you could snuggle. But you need somebody that can see you. You need someone that can understand you. You need somebody that, that can, and this is, I'm not talking about, like, romantic relationship. I've got some, I've got some guy friends, girlfriends that obviously aren't my spouse, 
that I feel like I've got a deep, intimate relationship with. They can see me. They know me. They, they, they know the inner workings of my heart and my soul, right? Um, but then there's also a, a special um, part of me reserved for Danielle, even the intimacies of my mind and things like that that not everybody else knows, right? So, but, but I'm not necessarily talking about romantic relationships. You just need a friend. You just need somebody to lean on, okay? Um. Verse 23, so then, uh, the Lord fashioned, or verse 22, the Lord fashioned into a woman the, the, um, the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, she will, call, will be called woman because she was taken out of man. And so there's something important here, the, the woman wasn't created from under the, 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 the heel of of. Man wasn't created from the top of their head, but was created from the, the side, from the rib. Uh, meaning, and this is important, men and women have, a, have, a real, have an equal importance. Um, and the, but they're different. Okay, so here's something that I'll, I'll teach on, and I'm not going to get into this whole, like, equality discussion. Uh, the, men and women are of equal importance, uh, but very different. And, and, and we champion men and women best when we actually understand the differences between them. Um, and the reason for that is if an elbow tries to be a knee, it won't hold up. So in the body of Christ, we got to stop playing like the finger can be a nose. The finger can't smell nothing. Right? And it's not offensive to tell the finger you can't smell. And it's not offensive to tell the nose you can't touch <laughs> it's just how it is does that does that make sense so there's there's certain things that that women are far better than men at and we should we should acknowledge that <laughs> and there's things that men are far better than women at and we should acknowledge that too uh and in and in, in in acknowledging those differences uh we actually acknowledge the people here's the thing uh, men and the bible says male and female he created them in the image of God. So if everyone tries to be male, or if everyone tries to be female, you're missing half of the image of God. So the image of God is male and female together, working in unity to then perfectly image God. So if we don't recognize our differences, we're missing the whole point. Anyways, moving on. <clears throat> Chapter 3. Okay, so now everyone's here. Everyone's here. Adam and Eve, all the animals, the cute little puppies, everything. Everyone's here. And the blasted snake is here, okay? So now the serpent was more crafty than any beast in the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the tree of the garden we may eat. Trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. And then the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. Right? The devil's saying, literally, oh, you, you won't die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here's the thing. The devil's not wrong here. He's not wrong. 
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eye, like it looks good, it seems like it would be good for me. And the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. Weird thing to all of a sudden understand. Can you imagine that? Just being chilling. Everything's cool. You eat an apple. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Cover up. I don't know what with because we haven't done that yet. But <laughs> please, put some clothes on. <laughs> and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to them, man. And said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you're naked? Have you eaten from that tree of which I commanded you not to? The man said, the, the woman. <laughs> it was her. <laughs> he said, the woman you gave me. To, to, you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree I ate. Snitches get stitches, bro, right? No, what was the, here, what, the first thing that was affected by sin was their view of each other. And ultimately, the, the biggest thing that was affected, the very first thing that was affected by sin was their relationship to each other. They saw each other as sinful and unclean, and, and then also um, they blamed each other. That's still kind of the effects of sin today. <laughs> then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent. <laughs> it was him. The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And then the Lord curses the serpent, and it goes on from there. Curses the serpent, curses the woman, curses the man. Something really interesting that I saw, I didn't pick up on. We're not going to spend too much time here, but in verse uh, uh, um, 20, it says, Now the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the, all the living. And then verse 21, the Lord, gave, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them after he was going to kick them out, he gave them clothes to wear. So even when you disobey, and even when God has to be just, he puts clothes on you and says, man, I, I still love you, I still care for you, let's make this happen. I feel like that's important. But Okay, so now we have this whole thing. We, we, Adam is created, it's this beautiful thing, he, he hangs out with all the animals, he's, he's a, like a zookeeper, he's like Zabumafu all of a sudden, like, he's hanging out, talking with all the animals. They're hanging. It's, it's chill. He's like riding rhinos for fun. But then he's like, oh, it's not good enough, you know? And then Eve comes, and he's like, oh, Eve's dope. <laughs> Eve's sick, right? And, and they're buds. And then the serpent tempts them, and then, and then they disobey, and then everything falls away. God kicks them out of the garden, says that the, the earth and them are going to be, and the animals and them are going to be at contrast with each other. Now we have... Uh, mountain lion is trying to kill us when we're hiking in Tribuco Canyon, okay? All because of a stinking fruit. 
How does that make any sense? But here's the thing. I'm going to break this down into three parts. We're going to understand the fall of humanity. This is our second part of being biblically literate in the book of Genesis. Okay? Three parts to this story. The first part, if you're taking notes, is temptation. And what was the temptation? The temptation was to be like God. And every sin thereon after was a variation of trying to be our own God. Trying to be in control of our lives. But here's the thing. Here's the crazy thing I just noticed today. Being like God is not a bad thing. In fact, it's what we were created to do. The Bible says in his image we were created. So our whole purpose of living is to image God. The whole reason we're here is to be like God. <laughs> the temptation is not a sin. right? This particular desire to be like God is a good one. Here's the thing I want to say. When we have desires, whether they're good or bad, we need to voice our desires... Because once we put them out in the, in the stratosphere, once we put our desires out there, we then can wrestle with them and decide if they're good or bad. I want this. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say it to somebody. I'm going to call Ben up and be like, hey, I want this. Is that good? I don't know if he'll have the right answer. So then I'll call Jackson and, <laughs> and I'll say, hey, I desire this. Is it good? And then, and then both of them are probably wrong. So I'm going to call Danielle. I'm just kidding. But I'm going to put it out there to somebody. I desire this. Can I? Let's walk through it. And maybe it's just simply bad. I desire this out of this person. And it's manipulation or it's lustful or it's whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> but then you can deal with it. I was listening to a podcast and a, and a guy was saying, this, this, this uh, guy who had been uh, uh, cheated on in a, in, a, in a marriage, and then was he's been processing this whole thing ever since. And he truly believes that if you have a desire to be unfaithful to a spouse or unfaithful to a, to, to a boyfriend or girlfriend, uh, if you actually say that out loud, you're less likely to do it. So here's what, here's what I mean. If you have this deep desire, like you meet somebody, right, and you're in a relationship, and you're in a committed relationship, you have this desire... I'm not going to get into too much detail here. <laughs> but it would be better to call somebody up and say, like, hey, I, this is, like, the desire of my heart. And I know, it's, I know it's wicked, but I just need to tell somebody. Because if you don't tell somebody, the only person holding you accountable is you. So what if, what if Eve would have been like, you know what, Satan? I would love to be like God. That would be cool. Let me talk to Adam. Hey, Adam, I want to be like God. Adam's like, hey, God, we want to be like you. God's like, perfect. That's how I created you. Then he's like, oh, Satan, we don't need the, we don't need the tree. <laughs> Thanks, though. <laughs> right? But instead it was like, oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> right? It's like this like, secretive thing. But if you don't voice it, you can't process it. Here's the thing, though. Your desire is not defining of who you are. This is what culture tells you is that your impulses decide who you are. 
the things you want in life desire who you are. Life is not about the pursuit of happiness because what makes you happy could be evil. Right? Your desire is not defining. I desire things that I shouldn't desire. and It, it doesn't define me because I'm not going to act on them. Right? The se- so the first thing was the temptation to be like God. The second thing is the sin. The sin is not eating the apple or it was, whatever it was, a pear. I don't care. What do you think it was? Papaya? I don't know. <laughs> That's not the sin, though. The sin is disobeying God. Here's the thing. Check this out. The pursuit of being like God in obedience is holy. It's the whole point of life. The pursuit of being like God in disobedience is the fall of man. It's so close. Like, we should want to be like God, but, if, but just do it in obedience to him. And then it's the holiest thing you could ever do. But if you want to be like God and you do it in disobedience, it's wicked and sinful. It's not just what you're in pursuit of. It's if you're doing it out of obedience. Check this out. The pursuit of love is only good in obedience to God. The pursuit of happiness is only good if it's in obedience to God. The pursuit of joy, the pursuit of what fill in the blank, the pursuit of hope, the pursuit of faith, the pursuit of any of it is only good if it's in obedience to God. And actually the pursuit of all those things that sound good, the pursuit of love, if I do it in disobedience to God, is wicked and sinful. What? You're meaning to tell me that if I make my life's motto to love everybody no matter what, that could be evil? Yes, if you're not obeying God in it. But I could also make my life's motto that I'm going to love everybody always. And I'm going to do it in, because I'm obe- being obedient to God. And then it's righteous. Why are we doing what we're doing? Number three, the consequence, okay? The consequence of all of this is a fallen world. Sin is introduced to the world. God gave us a choice. We took the choice. God gave us a way out of relationship with him, and we took it. We do every time. It sucks. It's just who we are. I love God. I love you. Ooh. <laughs> right? Right? We're like, Jesus. We go to convention. All of you are weeping every time you go to convention. <laughs> and the next day at school, was a shout out. It's like, what changed? Nothing. Because as soon as the apple pops back up, or the papaya, I don't know what it is. As soon as the mango pops back up on the tree, it's like, oh, that tastes good. (laughs) Right? It's our nature now. The perfect, creation story is God speaking things and all of creation following him in perfect obedience and it stopped with us. Everything up until that point had perfectly obeyed God. And then we... Messed it up. Dang it. The desire to be something that we're not never stops. We constantly try to shape how others see us. We still do it today. This was the first casualty of sin is our perspective of each other within our relationships to each other. 
But the cool thing is, and we're going to end here, is that the answer to all of this, once again, right, we're going to learn about Genesis, we're going to learn about the Old Testament, uh, but the answer to all of this, we're going to take the Old Testament, we're going to point it back to Jesus, because this book, cover to cover, is about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The whole thing. And it's not that the New Testament is good and the Old Testament is bad and scary. The God of the Old Testament came uh, as a baby in the New Testament and lived with us. Jesus is not a hippie version of God. Jesus is God. Okay? So this whole thing is about Jesus. How is that possible? There's a lot of crazy things in the Old Testament. We're going to learn about it. But check this out. The answer to all this stuff, the answer to the fall of man is once again in Jesus. Okay? The temptation to be like God can be satiated in the obedience by desire to be like Christ. So the, the desire to be like God, right, is all of a sudden fulfilled in us. This, this, this deep hunger to be like God is satisfied within us in obedience by desiring to be like Christ. That's it. We then smack that serpent across the face and say, I don't need your papaya. As soon as we say, I just want to be like Christ. Right? The, the devil comes to us, wouldn't you like to be like Jesus? Wouldn't you, be, wouldn't you want to know what Jesus knows? Yes, I do. But I have a way and it's not you. Right? Eat that, devil. Jesus calls us to obey his commands, right, in the New Testament. And it's not to follow the rules. It's to set our lives on a, on, on a, on a fast track in a pursuit of obedience. Because in obedience, our deepest desires can be, be fulfilled in righteousness. So check this out. The consequences are reversed in Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. These consequences of sin are now reversed. This is a whole story of redemption. We screwed it up. The whole story is how God loves us. How The Old Testament is the story of Israel and its relationship to, to Yahweh. And here's the thing. Yahweh is God, by the way. Uh, the whole thing is about how God writes this scandalous plan of sending his son to die. For us, for two reasons, to die in our place and to show us how to do it. So check this out. The consequences are reversed when Jesus died on the cross and rose again three days later. Instead of us fighting for our own image, instead of us trying now to, to decide who we are and how we look and what we know, instead of us fighting for our own image, Jesus died for it. Romans 5.8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still what? So what does that have to do with it? Jesus died for you before you did anything for him. Here's the thing. Jesus died for you even if you don't accept it. There's people who live their whole lives cursing God. He still died for that person. Just for the small chance that they might take the gift. Jesus wraps these gifts for everybody and lays them out. Not everybody's going to take it, but he still, he still did it. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While our identity was sinners, 
He died for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here's the thing. We were fighting to create our own image so that we could be like God. And Jesus died on the cross for your image so that you could be the righteousness of Christ. This is where it all, this is where it all reverses. The whole, the whole temptation was I want to be God and I a little bit want to be better than God. That was the whole temptation. Satan's like, what if you knew everything God knew? But with that comes the pain that God knows. I can only take so much heartache. Jesus took it all. Jesus took every, every pain that I've ever had, every mistake I've ever made. And here's the thing. Every mistake you've ever made has hurt somebody. The Bible says that you hurt the least of these, you hurt Jesus. Jesus pinned to that cross with nails through his hands and feet, carrying the weight of all of your mistakes and mine. And all the pain it caused everybody, all the death it caused everybody, all the, all the people walking away from him simply because you thought you were better than them. All, all these things that are so painful, the worst pain you've ever felt, Jesus is pinned to the cross with it. Also that when he dies and raises again three days later, you could say that you could be like him. Also that you could go back to the garden and tell Satan, yeah, I would like to be like God. And I have a way to do that. And instead of, it, instead of us wanting to be like God, the reason that the world fell, now us wanting to be like God is the reason that Jesus himself died for us, right? So that's the good news. The good news is that if we're left to our own devices, we're going to screw it up. We always do. Always do. Always screw it up. We want to be something that we're not. And we want to pursue something that seems good, but we want to do it out of disobedience because for some reason we just really struggle with submission. And Jesus died for us while we were still sinners so that there's a possibility that one day we'd be like, you know what, Jesus? I want to be like you. And just the craziest thing about it is Jesus came down to earth so that he could bleed, so that he could cry, so that he could weep with his friends, so that he could feel the deepest pains that we've ever felt. Go through life like that. And then, and then take all of it and die with it. And then raise again three days later and say, hey, I, I already conquered that for you. The things you struggle with, your, your, your depression, your anxiety, your stress levels, your... your your, your worry, right, your, your anger issues, your, your lying, all those things, I already died for them. So why don't you let them go? Why don't you be more like me? So that's all I got for today. Genesis 2 and 3 are about a perfect relationship with God that we threw away for a papaya. It might have been a mango or a water, watermelon, I don't know. It was on a tree, so it couldn't have been a watermelon. But here's the thing. We still do it today. We've got, we, we have an opportunity to be in perfect relationship with, with God because of Jesus, and we throw it away 
for a sip of the world. We throw it away for a taste of an average fruit. Right? Don't throw it away. And here's the thing. The crazy thing is, is nowadays, even when you do throw it away, God's saying like, hey, you want to try again? So, let's pray. Then I'm done. Or I'm going to start crying. I'm going to keep talking, rambling on about how good God is because he's good. God, would you help us to fall in love with you? Like deeply, like, like we, don't, we don't desire anything more than you. And for some of us, that seems like a foreign idea, but for me, it's becoming all too real. God, I don't, I don't want to go anywhere in this life unless you've called me to go there. God, Moses said in, uh, it was Exodus 33, that if your presence isn't in the promised land, I'd rather not go anyways. So, Jesus, the, the whole point of this story of the garden and then our, the travesty of the fall is that if there's a way that I could get back to the garden, if there's a way I could restore Eden in my heart, could we do it? Could you take me back there? Could you help me to just sit with you? And so, God, for each and every student, I pray that there'd be a deep desire that they don't want to go anywhere if it's not with you. If God, if you're there, we'll go. If you call us to it, let's do it. Our anxiety will cease to exist once we realize that we're, I just go where you go, and I just do what you tell me to do. Nothing else really matters. So, Lord, uh, help us to understand the, the gift that you gave us and that the pursuit of being like you is a really good one, but only if we do it on obedience. So help us to obey you. Help us to love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.